presents Chieftain's Coach's Corner. I'm Don Hensley, and today I'll be joined by Chieftain Head Football Coach Jason Brown, Junior Varsity Coaches Skylar Mifsud and Jeremy Clifton, along with wide receivers Riley Near and C.J. Wilson. So, Coach Brown, let's start by talking about the absolute explosion that took place in Springfield last Friday night. I mean, I was kind of surprised considering both teams were 5-1. and one. Your thoughts? Well, you know, early on it was back and forth, and then um, – we really just got some big explosive plays on offense that kind of tore the game open. Uh, our offensive coaches and, and our players did a great job of executing a game plan. And uh, we were really able to kind of take advantage of what they do to us defensively, how they uh, attack us defensively. We were kind of able to put the brakes on them, get them on their heels, and uh, found some advantages for our football team in some of their coverages. And it showed up. You know, not only did it just show up in the air, but it showed up on the ground as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, needless to say, your passing game was on fire. Uh, sophomore quarterback Tavian St. Clair rewrote the Chieftain record books Friday night with uh, 412 yards, uh, breaking Chris Walden's record, and then he throws seven touchdowns, breaking Kobe Furlong's record. So, uh, I mean, there were times when it looked like I was watching a video game. Is this just a case of St. Clair maybe getting more and more comfortable as the season's going on? Well, certainly, and he's growing and, and maturing in the pocket as a pocket passer and his presence in the pocket. And you just got to remember, the kid still doesn't even drive to school yet. So uh, as he grows and matures and, and understands his abilities in our pocket and how we're attacking and protecting, um, that'll just give us more time and, and open up some of those windows in the passing game that maybe at times before were a little tighter than they were last Friday. The thing that's a little shocking to me, too, is that it follows a game when maybe the offense struggled a little bit against Tecumseh. I mean, you got off to the quick lead and then kind of hung in there to get the victory. But what was the difference between what you saw in those two weeks? The practice week, how we practice through the week, uh, our ability to um, have iron sharpen iron and push each other through the week is where it starts. And then I think the, the next piece of the puzzle is that uh, we got momentum, and really, uh, Shawnee was on their heels. And really didn't expect us to be, number one, as physical as we were, uh, and number two, uh, as fast and explosive at times. So tell me a little bit about the practice. I mean, people that are listening and watching, maybe they don't understand. They just think practice is practice, whether it's week one or week 11. But tell me how... When you say the difference was how you practiced, explain that a little bit. Well, when you're talking about taking a group of 14 to 17 and 18-year-old kids, 62 or 63 of them, and you put them in these competitive situations for 10, 12 weeks in a row, you know, you, you reach a place with injuries, you reach a place mentally, you reach a place physically where, you know, those matchups and how you uh, set those matchups in practice make a difference. And for us, you know, we, we want to be peaking and playing our best football here at the end of the season. And so we were able to put ourselves in competitive situations at practice, and our guys believed in it. And, um, you know, if you weren't really aware of, you know, football season and how it ebbs and flows, just knowing that you put your toughest guys against your toughest guys at times in an effort to make them better. Um, and at the same time, that's balanced with making sure that people are injury-free and that you're getting the kind of reps that are uh, meaningful. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, it's been a long time since I've had pads on, but I can tell you that of all the sports, there's no sport that, pra that, that practice stinks more than football. Let's face <laughs> it. I mean, for 16, 17, we 18 weeks, you're doing nothing but hitting each other. And by this point of the year, everybody's hurt. I mean, 
everybody has hurts. They may not be injured, but everybody has hurts and pain. So, I mean, it's a tough thing. Uh, on the radio Friday night, I shared with Bill that uh, the rarity at the high school level to have this many game breakers. I mean, a lot of high schools have one or two guys that can take it the distance. You have a bevy of talent at the skill positions. How critical has that been to the success of the offense? Well, I think, number one, we're just really blessed to have so many young men that buy into the brotherhood and chieftain football that, you know, in a lot of places would be touching the ball probably a lot more than they touch it here. Um, their belief in our we over me culture um, is a true blessing for us, you know, and not just them, their families, you know, <laughs> how their parents feel about our program and, and how they feel about their son's opportunities in our program. You know, that's where it starts for sure, that, that these young men are willing to share the ball and share opportunities. That makes a huge difference in how we're able to attack. And then, you know, the young men deciding that they know there's only going to be a finite number of opportunities. And you can see now they're starting to really be hungry enough for those opportunities that when they get those chances, they're making the most of them. It also seemed to make a difference that you had a healthy Chris Fogan Friday night. Uh, he rushed for more than 100 yards as, as the team tallied almost, this is incredible, 600 yards in a high school football game. I mean, you just don't see that. Uh, when he's healthy, he just doesn't allow teams to focus solely on one aspect of the game. So uh, did you get a sense that his presence opens some things up on Friday? And lastly, about Chris Fogan, what about the one-handed catch? <laughs> well, you know, for us, we're, we're lucky that in the backfield, we've got a few players we could put back there, that we, and we use the term interchangeable. We've been using it since um, April and May last spring. But for us, Chris, you know, he's got special ability with the ball in his hands. And it allows us to force teams to defend every blade of grass, um, east, west, north, south, short field, long field, et cetera. And when you're kind of hitting on all cylinders like that, um, being diverse, being balanced, and, and forcing teams to be, in a lot of areas, um, balanced defensively, um, we were able to find some advantages with that. So, you know, when we're at full strength, you know, it makes a difference. And... Um, the best thing about these guys is they know when we're not at full strength that the next guy up is going to come in and make plays and be their very best and give their very best to the team. And, and again, that goes back to being kind of a we-over-me culture and, and believing in one another. We're going to talk to Riley Neer later, but, I, I mean, one of the things when Fogan's been out, you've had to move him to the backfield. Putting him back into that kind of slot position is just another uh, difficult ask of, their, of the other team's defense to try to cover that many skilled kids. I mean – and, and you've got so many kids that can run. That's the thing, too, is if you got those three wide receivers plus you're bringing Fogan out, I mean, I, there's just not that many. You, you coach defense. There's not that many defensive high, high school defenses that can cover four kids like that. So um, I'll tell you what, it was fun to watch. Uh, <laughs> I don't think – I don't know if I would, would have been that fun to watch the film with Coach Meeks the next day. But, um, <laughs> you know, I also thought the offensive line played well. Uh, with the experience there, it has to be a strength. But following the Tecumseh game, where you struggled to move the ball a bit. Uh, was there a renewed focus on the play up front that week in practice? Well, I mean, there's always a focus on the play up front, for sure. And you're an old lineman. I'm an old lineman. We understand how vital the line of scrimmage is on both sides of the ball to a team's success. However, I think those guys probably left the Tecumseh game knowing that they wanted to perform better, that, that we were better up, up front than we showed at times. And you got to give Tecumseh credit. I mean, that's a football team that just beat London last week, and, and most pundits, if you will, wouldn't have guessed that. So, you know, you tip your hat to Tecumseh. 
And then you realize for our guys that um, the wisdom and experience that some of these older guys have needs to kind of shine through when we need it the most. And I don't believe we gave up a sack Friday night. Um, maybe you could correct me on that. I, I don't think we did. You know, we rushed the ball for over 100 yards. Uh, we almost have 600 yards of offense. If you're not playing well up front, that doesn't happen. So, you know, it starts with those guys. They realize it starts with them. Um, they also realize that just because they're returners that they won't just find success. Um, again, this high school football season and, and high school football players. So we have to work on pushing the standard higher every week. And, uh, and I know that's kind of a broken record that you've heard all these weeks, but it, the same goes for all these position groups. If your game was 2022 Madden, that Tecumseh London game might have been 1950 Ohio <laughs> State versus Michigan because – I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that game ended about the time you guys kicked off the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, as we came across the field with the Shawnee coaches, they were telling us the scores and saying, hey, you know, you got a chance now to, to run the table. You got a chance to win the CBC outright. You just, you know, you control your own destiny. Um, and, you know, wishing us luck, which obviously we have a ton of respect for Shawnee's coaches. Um, and, and, you know, Coach Meeks and I came in the same year as head coaches in 2003. So, you know, we, we know each other well, but for us to hear that score on Friday night is a, it's a motivator. And to hear the 6-3 to three score, people probably thought it was a baseball game and not a football right. game. <laughs> you know, you talked a little bit about the offensive line and the no sacks. I don't think you did give up a sack, but, um, you know, we talk a lot about St. Clair's arm skills, and obviously he can make all the throws. I don't think there's anybody that debates that, but I thought the one thing that stuck out to me on Friday night was he stood in on a couple times when he was getting some pressure and he threw the ball on target and took the hit. And I think that's one of the biggest growth things I've seen out of him the last few weeks is the ability to stay in the pocket and take the shot and still deliver the ball. And he took a couple shots for yeah. sure. And his toughness really sh uh, shined through for us. And you know what happens is you know, your offensive linemen look around and they see a guy hanging there and standing there and show growth and show maturity and show the willingness to take a shot. And as an offensive lineman, that's where you look and say, that's my guy. You know, I'm going to block for that guy, you know. And, and when you start to have men pick each other up in that regard, that brotherhood and that feeling and the spirit and the energy starts to be um, exciting and it starts to be a momentum builder. Um, but, you know, I mean, you and I have talked so many times Football games are won and lost up front. And for us, coming off the Tecumseh week, I was really proud of our offensive line, their coaches, the way that they really dialed in and made sure we were putting our very best foot forward against Shawnee. Offensive linemen will, will go to their grave saying that every game is won up front. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> now, it's hard to talk about – it's hard to just not talk about the offense in a game where Madden, like – you know, numbers were put up, but let's talk a little bit about the defense turned in a really solid effort. I mean, a couple scores late against the JVs make the score look a little bit closer than maybe it really was, but uh, you had to be pleased with what you saw on that side of the ball as well. You know, I, I think if you um, watched body language at the end of the game, you saw our guys uh, and you saw their guys, and I would just say that defensively we were physical and we were able to impose our will at times. Now, we gave up some big plays. And that's a result of some of those points. But I think, too, offensively, we saw physicality. Guys that were, you know, bouncing off tackles, yards after contact, yards after the catch. 
all of that starts to wear on high school players. Um, and defensively, even though early on it was a, a bit of a, a slugfest there early, I think as we got to the middle of that second quarter and into the third quarter and into the fourth, we really physically started to uh, impose our will a little bit. And that's probably something that was unexpected for Shawnee. Yeah, and I, I you know, not to take anything away from Shawnee, they got a great quarterback in their own right, but you guys hit him a lot. And I thought by the third quarter, it was interesting to me, the the willingness to take off and run was maybe not quite there like it was early in the game, and he was much more okay with throwing the football, which I think if I was you guys on defense, I'd have been okay with him throwing the ball more than I was with him you know, making things happen with his feet. Yeah, all you do is put on the film. I mean, the big plays that they had uh, throughout the season were, were run plays, whether they be from their tough, talented running back, um, number eight, Yair, or, or from their quarterback. Uh, so for us, you know, defensively, the, the, the idea is to take what do they do best away or at least take something away and, and, and handicap the offense. And I think at times that's what's made us tough to defend because if you're going to do that, it's a pretty tall task. Yeah, you know, a few weeks ago we talked about Hayden Manz's pick six kind of turning the game in your favor. I think that was against the Lake. Um, but last week I thought he really dominated the game from his defensive line position. Shawnee really struggled to block him. Uh, it, and, and I don't get a chance to watch the film or break it down like you guys, but he seemed to really kind of dominate the game from up front. And he, he has all the physical tools. I mean, how good can he be? Well, you know, his ceiling is really, really high. He started off as a young freshman and playing in some varsity games and then had a really major um, injury, you know, broke his leg. And so coming back last year at times, he was still kind of feeling his way through. Uh, but now he's really started to blossom. And as this season has worn on, he's physically starting to uh, impose his own will. And for us, you know, we had to switch Sullivan and AC from backer to D-line. So then Sullivan comes down, he becomes a physical presence. Uh, Keegan and Jazander at the D-line, and then Declan on the other side. They've really started to physically understand, um, you know, defensive football. And, uh, you know, Hayden's kind of at the forefront with that. You know, he's such a young kid uh, in such a big person's body. And you know, he's just now learning what he can and can't do with his body and, and his ability. And it's really showing through on the film. He seems to me to be the kind of kid that once he kind of figures out uh, how good he can be. Um, I don't know if he can be stopped. I mean, he's when he when he you can tell when he really is into the game and he gets it going. He's a he's a tough ask for the offensive line. There's no doubt, tough to block um, in a lot of ways, and that attitude is starting to spread amongst that defensive front. You know, and there's times where we played well defensively through this season, and even some of those guys, they're returners from last year. But bringing Sullivan down has has added an edge to us up front that in the same way that AC has kind of given us a second level defender, a different look and feel. And, um, you know, in the middle of summer, you'd have never guessed that we'd have had to do that or that it would have worked out. But, you know, sometimes the football God stuff happens for a reason. Yeah, I mean, the linebacker play was, again, really strong. I, Caldell gets the pick uh, when they're com coming out of the locker room, which really kind of, I thought, took a lot of air out of the Shawnee uh, attack. And then, Ashcraft on the other side of the game. And Eli Moore, you know, he plays sideline to sideline, I think, as well as anyone in the league with the speed that he has. So that group was really strong again. And 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 let's be honest, I thought the defensive backs had a really strong game. I mean, they'd like, they, you know, Shawnee likes to throw the ball and kind of took that away a little bit. 
Yeah, and you got to give credit where credit's due to our defensive backs. You know, at times that's a tough position to play because you're under a magnifying glass. You're out there, and a lot of times in a one-on-one position, uh, big plays happen or don't happen uh, on your watch, under the spotlight, if you will. So, and sometimes I'm tough on those guys for sure as a head coach. But you know, you got to give them credit for going out there, playing out there with confidence. I mean, Shawnee's got an all-league receiver. Um, that you know the league is very aware of and is is concerned about every time he lines up, and I believe we held him to no catches. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't know if you ever um, listened to the game, uh, probably not since you live it, but I I don't know if anybody said anything to you, but I was a little harsh on your forty speed. Uh, there was a time in me the, personally. Yeah, you personally. There's a time in the game Friday night where you went running trying to get a timeout. Yes, you took off from the fifty and yeah. you ran to the twenty-five. Yes, sir. You were hip to lip. But yes. the time isn't quite what it used to be maybe <laughs> back in the in the early well, 19, 1990s yes. because, uh, you know, and then I, I know you kind of broke down into it. You are kind of, once you got there, you broke down a little bit. I think you're trying to catch your breath in order to <laughs> let the official know that you wanted timeout. I, do you recall what I'm talking about? I recall having to run for a timeout. I'm not <laughs> sure if I broke down. I'm not sure <laughs> about my form run. I'd rather not see it. I'm sure some of these coaches will queue it up on film <laughs> at some point if it's there. Um, but uh, uh, I guess stuff. getting the timeout called <laughs> is the main thing. Um, these guys, I'm sure, are entertained here by this line of questions. Some of your former players at, that listened to the game were texting me during, and they're like, this is classic stuff. I hope Coach Brown actually hears this. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I know, actually, it makes sense now. There were a couple text messages about my speed, and I wasn't really clear <laughs> what that meant. I just said, thanks. I was <laughs> late. I just said <laughs> back. Thanks. <laughs> now I realize I'm putting two and two together now <laughs> that they're after the the grumpy old man's 40 times. It was good, good stuff. Uh, you know, I'm glad I didn't have to run down there. <laughs> um, so this week you get Jonathan Alder. Uh, been a little bit of a thorn in your side the last few years. Um, what are you expecting out of the Pioneers? Obviously, Cameron Jewell is where it starts. Well, we would expect their very best. I mean, they know they come here and get a, a win from us, then that puts them back in CBC title contention. And we said, as we sat here two or three weeks ago, this was going to be a slugfest, and we knew we had to be prepared for a heavyweight fight every week. Um, certainly offensively, the big explosive play ability of their running back, Jewel, is a concern. The quarterback can run it pretty well, too. Uh, they've always got a solid plan on offense, and defensively they don't beat themselves. You know, so, And they've got tough kids, and they play hard. So for us, it's going to be another um, challenge this week to, to be our best mentally and physically and to play our best complimentary football. So uh, one last question before you go, still staying on Cameron Jewell for a second. For those uh, that maybe haven't seen you play or something, what kind of runner is he, and, and what, does you, what are you guys going to have to do to, in order to keep him contained? Well, speed. You know, I mean, he's just really fast. He's a slasher. Um, he's got good vision. He can cut it back pretty well. Um, you know, so for us, we, w we want to get him stopped before he gets started, basically. So we want to, you know, we just need to be our best to be disruptive at times. And, and another thing that we've tried to do is give a good look at practice. Um, we're lucky enough and, and blessed that Coach Hagler's here and, and every now and then can give us a look at practice about um, a speed guy. So um, you got a Hall of Fame speed kind of guy back there at practice. It, it does a good job of kind of preparing us for Friday. Yeah, you got two Hall of Fame running backs on your uh, coaching staff. I'm not sure Rich still suits it up much, but uh, I think Coach Eggs would suit us up every day if he could. Whereas <laughs> Coach Rich is more about let the players play. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Coach Brown, thank you again for your insight. And as you move forward down the stretch here, uh, best of luck over this uh, these next three games, and especially here against uh, Jonathan Alder, who comes calling Friday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, we're going to step aside for a moment. When we return to the Eastern Water Solutions Presents Coach's Corner, I'll be joined by coaches Skylar Mifsud and Jeremy Clifton, who, amongst other things, are responsible for the junior varsity team and the continued growth of these young players. Thanks. Appreciate your hands. Yep. This is Trey Daring at iColts Daring and Sanford Funeral Homes and Cremation Center. We are committed to providing professional, tailored funeral and cremation services at affordable pricing. We are part of a community of caring individuals, friends, and neighbors who consider it a privilege to serve you in your time of need. We are proud to be locally owned and operated. Our family serving your family since 1903. Go Chiefs! Foresight Insurance and Financial Services is a locally owned and operated financial services provider for the state of Ohio, focusing our efforts on serving the residents of Logan County and surrounding counties. We are located at 1653 US 68 North Baffountain. Foresight can help you with all your retirement needs. We specialize in assisting with pension options. We also offer business planning, charitable gifting strategies, as well as life and health insurance. Call today at 937-595-5002. Foresight Insurance and financial services in the business of planning life. Hello, this is Luke Varner from Easton Water Solutions. How is your water? Does your water need improved? Put my 23 years of experience to work for you. Give me a call today, Luke Varner, Easton Water Solutions, 592-8379. To the Easton Water Solutions presents Coach's Corner. This week, I'm pleased to be joined by Skylar Mifsud and Jeremy Clifton. Gentlemen, I see you more than any other coaches because we seem to share a press box on game nights. Uh, before we get into the junior varsity aspect, let's talk a little bit about your other coaching duties. Skylar, let's start with you. What other positions do you coach on the varsity? Yeah, so I coach um, the receivers on offense. So we kind of split up the coaching roles where you're primary on one side of the ball and then a secondary essentially on another side of the ball. So my primary is the receivers on offense, and then on defense, I help Coach Peitzmeyer with the linebackers as well. Yeah, I'd be claiming the receivers too after a game <laughs> like uh, Friday night. I'd be saying, uh, even if I didn't coach them, I'd come on here and say I did. How about you, uh, Jeremy? Uh, very similar. Uh, I have split role. I coach with Coach Caudill on D-line. I focus more on defensive ends while he's doing tackles and there's just a bunch of dudes, so we do need two guys. I, nothing bothers me more when people say, oh, why do you have all these coaches on the sideline? Well, there's 30 dudes, and someone's got to coach them. And then I help Coach Reed with the offense as well, so offensive line. Yeah, any, anybody that's ever said that has never had a coach. Yeah, exactly. So. There's 63 dudes. <laughs> that's right. As I stated earlier, you two are often in the press box Friday night. So for those of people that are listening, what's the responsibility of the coaches in the press box, Skyler? So we're looking for anything that we can see the – you know, help our coordinators, whether that be Coach Vionsky or Coach Beismeyer for him or Coach Kennedy for the offensive side of the ball. Um, I'm always calling out what hash we're on down in distance. Um, if we saw something on film that, you know, he wants me to really watch for, I'm either going back and watching film or trying to watch for that live, you know, watching what they're doing in coverage and trying to communicate that down to him because sometimes it's easier to see from a booth instead of, you know, being down on the field. So just providing any communication intel that will help him be able to make the best play call. So can you only talk to Kennedy, or can you talk to everybody? So, yeah, so our headsets are broken up to where it's just the offensive guys on one headset, defensive guys on one line, basically, and then Coach Brown 
has a head coach headset, so he can flip back and forth to either side of the ball. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so, Jeremy, I assume then you're talking mostly to Vionsky and Peismeyer? Yeah, uh, Coach P, uh, Coach Caudill, Coach Vionsky are all in the headset, and I do similar. Down and distance, what hash, personnel, uh, formation, all those different things. Um, the hard part is being able to watch the box and the back end. So Coach Mossbarger's up there with us as well, watching the back half. When I say back half, I mean the secondary. It's interesting to people that you say you're giving them down in distance. They're like, well, that's on the scoreboard. But people don't realize how quickly the coaches on the field need that information. It doesn't always get put up on the scoreboard till the other team's breaking the huddle and coming yeah. to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Especially so last that, week. That down in distance is important. To Especially with how fast we try to go on offense. You know, Before it gets on the scoreboard, we already have the next play call in. You know, trying to go fast tempo sometimes. So, I see the coaches nowadays with the uh, iPads on the sidelines, which is, you know, I'll be honest. When I played in the '80s, it was kind of nice they didn't have that because they couldn't <laughs> see you screw up until actually you watch film on Saturday. But now you can see it live. How has the iPads during the game changed the coaching? Well, I think it gives you the ability to see exactly what you were saying. You know, when someone messes up, um, you know, I, th I think it's really big. For Coach Reed on the offensive line, you know, when the defensive line is doing different stunts than what we, you know, plan for, he's able to get on the iPad, look at it, correct it, you know, adjust our rules to where they need to be, um, or if we need to go back, look at our cover, look at the coverages they're running, you know, we can chart down, you know, when they're in cover four, when they're in cover three, whatever they may be in, because um, it could be different than what we've seen on film. So being able to go back and look at that and, you know, get that data to see where they plan on going, hopefully. So, Jeremy, you guys seem to shuffle a lot of players in and out on defense. I mean, is, what, what are some of the things you're looking for up there to help with the substitutions? Well, first thing, sometimes it's personnel, just certain packages they bring in. Uh, it can be something as simple as a guy being tired, not doing his assignment. Um, usually uh, it's, like I said, energy and effort sometimes. But usually I would say – uh, formation stuff when we do most of our subbing. For example, like let's say it's third and long and we need to get Keegan Overton or Xander Johnson's out, out of the game because they're run pluggers. Uh, we can get a faster guy in. That would be like an example of a down and distance thing or a formation. So, you know, I've, you know, been a football fan forever and, and played when I was a younger guy and and had the chance to, get, you know, spend a lot of time as, as in the newspaper business. And I, I think that uh, from my vantage point, one of the most important jobs on a football coaching staff is the JV coach. And they don't get any recognition. I know that there's about 3,000 fans on Friday night. There's about 30 on Saturday, and those are all moms and dads, um, which they can be as vocal as the other 3,000. Don't get me wrong. Um, but the responsibility there is to groom the next generation. So how do you approach the role of coaching JV, Skyler? As in our coaching role on Saturdays, yeah, or just, just in just general. What do you, in general. Yeah, so you know, telling the JV guys, you know, this is your Friday night, and it should be treated as so. You know, you guys should be excited to play in those games. You don't get to play on Friday night, so it should truly be treated as you know your Friday night. You get to play once a week. You know, cherish it because you only get nine JV games instead of you know ten varsity games. So you already lose one there. So you know, cherish every time you get to be able to actually play. Are you, Jeremy, are you guys um, – I'm going to get into the game stuff a little bit here in a second, but are you guys constantly in the in, – in like Coach Brown and some of the other coaches' ears about who's looking good, who's developing, 
who's maybe behind schedule a little bit in developing? Is there that kind of discussion during the season, or does most of that happen off season? I would say we talk every day. Um, when we get back from Saturday games, first thing Coach Peel asked me is, how did Sam do? How did Caden do? How did CeCe do? He's constantly asking about how they play. Uh, Coach Caudill the same. So it's definitely not something that we ignore. Um, we're constantly evaluating. There's dudes, that, there's guys on the team that are really close to being Friday night guys, uh, whether it's injury or just how they're playing during their JV time. So, Jeremy, I'm guessing that one of you coaches the offense and one coaches the defense on JV. From what you just said, I'm guessing offense and defense. Yeah, I'll throw in my two cents here and there. I'll look. <laughs> the only time I ever say anything is when I look at the box. I'm like, hey, this play looks good and then he he's already called something so sometimes it doesn't matter that's funny you jumped ahead of me because i was gonna be like do you guys stay in your lanes <laughs> or do you sometimes can't help yourself but you got to say something yeah I, I stay in my lane i'll let him do his thing he does a good job and if he needs my help i know he'll come and talk to me about it i think we do a good job of communicating especially game management things you know i'm always looking you know i got that coach kennedy mindset i want to go 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 so you know, I'll go to him. Hey, you want to get a timeout here? Try to get going. He's like, let's just run it out. Like, <laughs> and he gets annoyed with me because I'm always asking what the play is because he's gone. We don't have headsets on Saturday, so I'm constantly asking him what the play is. And so I'm always in his ear in regards to what's being called. But I don't have a ton of say in what the play calls are. <laughs> and he would say he doesn't have a ton of say what we're doing on defense either. And so. I try to, you know, he does a good job helping me watch the O-line while I watch the skill guys on offense. I try to watch that back half while he's watching the D-line on defense. So we try to work together in that regard. It's been, so, it's been good. Since been you guys okay. don't get much press, what's the record? 3-2-1. and one. No, no, right. no. I'm going to call Shawnee's a forfeit. I'm, we're 4-2-1 four, in okay. my book. Shawnee uh, was NA oh, one play this yeah, last week. Absolutely. 14 guys and they don't show up, that's you, a win. You, you know show, you lose. I mean, that's that's standard. Yeah, but so it's been a good four, season. 4-2-1, two, and one, uh, tied with Sydney week one. And then lost to Coldwater and London back to back, and now we've won four in a row. So all right, so things are looking good on the JV team. Mm -hmm. All right, so this is the one I want to spend the most time on. There's obviously some young guys, freshmen, sophomores that the Chieftain faithful may not have heard of yet. I want you both to give me a few names, their positions, and what you like about them. Maybe maybe a few names that we could maybe look for. I know we're really all focused in Belfont on 2022. Don't get me wrong, but. Maybe some few names that might pop in in 2023 and beyond. I'll go ahead. Uh, the guy you probably have seen on special teams a little bit, and his older brother is a big part of our defense and, and offense. But uh, Carter Caudill, CC, plays linebacker for us on Saturdays. And a year from now, we're going to be talking about Carter. He's physical. He's smart. He's just a good football player. He's the guy that I'm always talking to during the games on Saturday. He calls our defense. Um, another guy, a couple linemen, Jesse Castle, a uh, guy that we're going to rely on heavily because, like, we've been talking, we have five seniors, six seniors on that offensive line, so his development is, is crucial. He's going to be a good player as well. Uh, Jordan Hensley, another big kid, sophomore. Uh, he's just got to keep working on uh, his technique, get, getting stronger, but next year he's a guy that you could see on the D-line especially. And another guy I'm going to throw some uh, shout-out to is uh, sophomore John Hoffman. Uh, never played football until this year, and I've just been impressed with how he approaches every day. He's jumping on every scout team. Like today, he was taking a beating on scout team, but he gives a good look. He goes hard, big kid, smart, and he's just a good student athlete. I have him in class. He's a great kid. So hopefully we're going to see him in the next couple of years as well. 
Uh, the first guy I'll start with is Caden Folk. Uh, he's a freshman. He plays that slot receiver, running back, um, similar to what Riley Neer plays on Friday night. Uh, he's a freshman, good, respectful kid, and he's a really hard worker, tough kid. Um, he's going to be a good player for us down the road. Patrick Stolle, he's a freshman. He plays safety and receiver for us. Um, once again, another good, respectful kid and hard worker. Um, he makes plays with the ball in his hands, and for a freshman, you know, his ability to catch the ball is really nice. That's Henry's boy, right? Yes, okay. yep. And then Brody Boy, he's a sophomore. He plays um, our H-back position or tight end, and then he also plays safety on defense. He's our varsity long snapper, so you see him on Friday nights some. And he's, you know, we've had a tradition of boys come through yeah. the school at this point. So, um, you know, he's very close. He's not far away. His name's mentioned, you know, every week. He's not far off. And uh, the last guy I mentioned, Sam Varian, sophomore linebacker, also plays that H-back position for us. And he is a guy that is really close as well. Um, I look forward to, you know, seeing those two, especially just because how close they are right now. Um, next year, just another year of development. They're going to be players that we'll have to count on. All right, last question. Everybody talks about the fact that we're going to have two junior wide receivers on next year. There's a lot of juniors and a lot of sophomore skill kids. But like you said, there's a lot of seniors on the offensive line. Everybody's kind of curious, especially myself, about what does the future offensive line look like? Is that a point of emphasis at the JV level right now is developing some kids to play on that offensive line? Yeah, and, you know, I think they know that as well, that, you know, you can look on Friday night and, you know, go down the line and you see at least four seniors out there at a time, sometimes three. But, you know, right now, other than Jack and Parker, the only get, there's no other guys taking reps that aren't seniors really. So – um, Coach Reed's done a good job of taking those younger guys like during practice um, when there's time that he can wiggle and get them free to work with them because it is a focal point because we need to fill those positions and you know it's open tryouts essentially and you know it's a key part to our success uh, moving forward you know we like you said we have plenty of skilled guys that are you know juniors or sophomores um, but we will have some holes to fill. But, you know, we have some guys that will be ready to go with another year of development that will be able to fill in. That's great, guys. Keep up the good work of developing the pipeline. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Um, we're going to take a break, and when we return, we'll be joined by a pair of junior wideouts that are big. That were a big part of the offensive explosion Friday night. <clears throat> This is Trey Daring at Eichholz Daring and Sanford Funeral Homes and Cremation Center. We are committed to providing professional, tailored funeral and cremation services at affordable pricing. We are part of a community of caring individuals, friends, and neighbors who consider it a privilege to serve you in your time of need. We are proud to be locally owned and operated, our family serving your family since 1903. Go Chiefs! 
Foresight Insurance and Financial Services is a locally owned and operated financial services provider for the state of Ohio, focusing our efforts on serving the residents of Logan County and surrounding counties. We are located at 1653 U.S. 68 North Baffin. Foresight can help you with all your retirement needs. We specialize in assisting with pension options. We also offer business planning, charitable gifting strategies, as well as life and health insurance. Call today at 937-595-5002. Foresight Insurance and Financial Services in the business of planning life. Hello, this is Luke Varner from Easton Water Solutions. How is your water? Does your water need improved? Put my 23 years of experience to work for you. Give me a call today, Luke Varner, Easton Water Solutions, 592-8379. Welcome back to Easton Water Solutions presents Chieftain's Coach's Corner. Uh, now we're joined by junior offensive standout C.J. Wilson and Riley Near. Gentlemen, welcome. Riley, you had uh, four touchdowns Friday night. Yes, sir. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what made the offense erupt like it did. Well, when you guys have when you have guys like C.J. Wilson, Caden Weems, Chris Bogan, especially having Chris back, it opens up a lot of more opportunities for everybody else. And when they put their best players out on the outside on C.J. and Colin Dykes, guys like them, it opens up more opportunities. And they were running like a lot of cover one man and cover three, which opens up. And then on the first drive of the game, like the fourth play, the blocking they had was amazing, and it opened up so much for us. Tell me a little bit about, I mean, what, what's the, uh, what's the, when you guys are running sprints at the end, who's the fastest wide receiver? It's me definitely, sure. it's me. It's me. <laughs> it's me. How about with Fogan in that mix? Who's the fastest? Yeah, Chris is pretty fast, uh, but. You still, th you still you two? Yeah. I mean, we're all pretty fast. Yeah, we're all like. It's all close. It's a mix up. There's game breakers all over the place. Yeah. CJ, you lead the league in receiving yards, and it seems like the last few weeks you and Tavian have really clicked. I, I told Pro Coach Brown a couple weeks ago that um, watching you from last year to this mm -hmm. year, the biggest difference I see is is your willingness and your ability to compete for the 50-50 balls. Yeah. It seems like that's been the real big thing this year, Is especially you've gotten some back shoulder throws, some throws where he's just thrown it up, and you've just out-competed for the ball. What do you think the difference between last year and this year is for you? Well, probably just my toughness, probably my yards after the catch, probably just, I don't know, just compete for those 50-50 balls, like you said, and just that determination to score the ball. Yards after catch, I mean, last week on the one touchdown, he just hits you on a crossing, or kind of like a, look like maybe a post pattern, and against. you outran the defense against Shawnee. Yeah. I mean, they, they had three guys that had the uh, angle on you, and no, none of them touched you. one of them was going to catch me to my right. I saw, I think it was Zion Crow. He's about to take my legs out, but... No can do, huh? No. So, Riley, you've been lined up all over the field this year, um, kind of a Swiss Army knife for the Chiefs, <laughs> if you will. I think you've played uh, running back. You've thrown the ball. You've played in the slot. Do you like that ability to play all over? Yeah, I mean, it always helps out the team when you're able to do all those things, and especially when guys like Chris dealt with an injury the past few weeks. It really helped the team out and just being able to be flexible and, as Coach Brown likes to say, interchangeable. Now, do you have to learn more plays that way? Well, I mean, coming from the quarterback position, I mean, I've already – I've been used to that my whole life. So getting to know every position and all the plays, is it's nothing, like, too overwhelming. So, CJ, you had a pair of touchdowns Friday to give you six on the season. Let's talk about the first score. Um, we kind of talked about that earlier, but do you, do you think that a lot of teams underestimate your speed a little bit? 
I mean, that's not, that's not the first time that's happened where yeah. there are a couple guys had angles on you and I mean, you outran them. I mean, not really. I mean, you can probably see the film and see past games I've been able to catch and run for 50 yards. And really, I mean, they've probably just seen the film. Now, do, do you like playing wide receiver or punter better? Wide receiver, for sure. Okay, I'm just wide checking. Wide receiver, for sure. I'm just checking because, I mean, you are a good punter, though. Thank you. But Thank you. You're still more of a wide receiver. I've never really practiced <laughs> being a punter. I you just, don't? No, I really. I mean, we do it, but like before, I've never really practiced being a punter. So, Riley, we talk, uh, Bill Tipple and I talk a lot on the radio about your running ability. And it's, I mean, not only do you have the straight line speed, but you're awfully shifty too. It seems like nobody can really ever square you up. Explain for people how. I mean, are you thinking, like, I'm going to cut here, or is it just something that happens naturally? I mean, it's kind of just in the moment. It's just natural. I mean, we all have the ability to make people miss, and it's just something that's naturally came to us. And, I mean, for me especially, it's just, like, I don't know. It's just all coming together. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. It's funny because every running back, I heard Barry Sanders one time, he <laughs> asked the same question, and he's like, I don't know. <laughs> You know, I mean, it just happens. I see things and I react and I, there's no like mental part yeah, of it. It's always, just yeah. brain to legs and legs react type of thing. Yep. Um, CJ, talk a little bit about the passing game. Uh, you know, obviously Tavian last year as a freshman, now he's a sophomore. It seems like everything is kind of, the, the whole passing game is kind of developing with him. It seems like he got more routes it seems they're connecting i mean there's more like looking people off he's, he's going to some secondary receivers talk a little bit about how the passing game's developed well how coach brown was saying with our offensive line it wouldn't be possible without our offensive line they got a lot of experience and taven be able to make those throws without our offensive line and last year we had a good receiver a bunch of re senior receivers we had Ethan Yoder, Owen Stanley, and it's just, yeah, Tavian's been able to make those throws, and we've just been having a connection the past few weeks. So Tavian didn't tell me this, but Kennedy did. Coach Kennedy said that uh, he said that the, the you, you guys are just like any other wide receiver bunch he's heard. You're always open, according to you guys, and you each of you want the ball. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's we're true. always open. So. Yeah, we're always open. <laughs> Typical wide Tavian, receivers. Tavian misses us. We're on, we're on his neck about it or something. <laughs> Well, Coach Kennedy said that in all the, all the levels he's played football that um, it never fails, that the receivers always come back to the huddle, and they were always open, and the quarterback always missed them. <laughs> <laughs> we always get on, and he'll be like, my bad. Now, Thanks Riley, play. you played quarterback, so you can't be too hard on yeah, a quarterback. Yeah, well, I still like to mess with him. <laughs> so, Riley, after last week, I'm sure many fans are thinking that, that after a performance like that, it, you know, it just really can't be top. So how do you guys continue to stay focused after a game like that? Well, we know that. This upcoming week is going to be a tough challenge with Alder. They're always a good team, and they've had us the past few years. And a CBC championship is a thing that we're pushing for right now, and hopefully after that, just keep pushing. So that always is back into our minds. Just we got to go get this thing, and it keeps keeps us hungry. And CJ, final question. So you guys have really have it rolling right now, but there's a lot of talk, people like myself, but in the community, a lot of talk about much farther down the road. How do you guys keep yourself focused on like Friday night and and keep keeping it all uh, kind of real in the moment? Well, like what Coach Brown said, we have to have a good week of practice just every week, every day, getting better, 
preparing for the opponent we're about to play just that week, just watching film, just getting prepared for that week. Well, guys, that was great answers. I just want to tell you, it's a pleasure to watch both of you play. So uh, keep it going this Friday night when Jonathan Alder comes to Action Sports Stadium for senior night, which is the last regular season home game for Bell Fountain. I emphasize the word home, <laughs> or actually not home, but regular season. Um, hopefully there are some home games uh, in addition to senior night. For Coach Brown and all the guests tonight, this is Don Hensley saying thank you for joining us this week. For the Eastern Water Solutions presents Chieftain Coaches Corner.